All right, Playmakers, it's a new year, and that means I am hosting my annual free masterclass on how to fund your indoor playground business, and I've updated it for 2024. The live version of this class will be held on January 17th, and you can save your spot using the first link in the show notes of this episode. And no worries, if you missed the live class, there will be a replay made available using that same link. But the only way to interact and ask questions is to attend live. So whether you are looking to fund your first or fourth location, you will learn something new in this class. We will be covering everything from projecting startup costs and cash flows and profit to the different types of loans you want to consider to crowdfunding to for-profit versus non-profit play spaces and much more. This is one you don't want to miss, so sign up using the link in the show notes and I will see you there. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. Alright, Playmakers, I hope you had an amazing holiday season if you celebrate, as well as a very happy new year so far. I am so excited to be back in your feed, and I'm really looking forward to some of the things that I have coming up for you in the very near future. But before we get there, I want to actually go back in time for a bit, almost six years back in time to be exact, to 2018. So something that I started doing that year when I was just about three years into my indoor playground ownership journey is setting a word of intention for the new year. And I would share that word back on my old podcast, which you can still find today. It hasn't been updated in a while. It's called The Marketing Junkie Podcast. And just to give you a little context, if you're a newer listener or if you haven't been following me for years and years like some of you have, that Marketing Junkie Podcast gave marketing tips for online business owners, so course creators like I am now. And while I love all of those you know, 80-plus episodes so, so much, I ended up pivoting to this new podcast that you're listening to right now back in early 2021 because I just really decided to niche down and only serve the indoor playground market because I saw a massive need for it. After all, there are thousands, if not tens of thousands of resources and channels and podcasts out there for online business owners, but there's really nothing for our unique and very nuanced industry. So anyway, back in 2018, or actually 2017 if we're getting technical, I declared the coming year, so 2018, to be the year of no. And that might sound really negative, but it was actually one of the smartest things I ever did for myself and for my business. To give you a little context, I had really, really weak boundaries when I was in my first few years of business ownership. I was a massive people pleaser, and I had this constant fear that if I didn't make every single person in my entire community happy in some way, Everything that I had worked so hard for would be, poof, gone in an instant. And that thought, that fear, really kept me up at night. Even though I had figured out by this time how to make my business profitable, 2016 and 2017 were probably some of my worst years mentally and physically. 
I had two kids under two, one with special needs, and unfortunately, I really allowed my business to completely take over my mind and my life as if I didn't have enough going on and enough responsibilities and enough things to worry about. And I'm going to play that old episode that I released way back when in just a minute. So I just wanted to, again, give a little context, and I just wanted to ask you to please be gentle because I was just a baby podcaster back then, but the reason that I wanted to do that, to play that old episode, is for a few reasons. So number one, I know that you may be listening to this podcast as we speak today in 2024 with a very similar mindset as I had, or you might be in a very similar position as I was back in 2017. Even with the best laid plans, place-based businesses can often become all-consuming. And because brick-and-mortar businesses often require so much of our physical presence, it's really easy to completely forego any healthy boundaries, just like I did, thinking that we're doing the best thing for our businesses by doing so. But what I learned is that if we don't change that mindset and set healthy boundaries, we as business owners will completely burn out and eventually hit a brick wall, which isn't good for us, our families, or our businesses. And I know that most times I'm able to speak here to you on this new podcast with all the hindsight and wisdom that almost six years of owning my play spaces granted me. After all, that's one of the reasons why I'm able to help so many play space owners now. Hindsight is, in fact, 2020. But for a moment, I wanted to, again, just travel back in time and literally transport you to where I stood while I was really going through it. Because even though I'm so grateful to have made it through those really difficult years, I know that you may be standing there right now, or maybe you're going to be standing there at some point in the future, and you might not even know it yet. So I thought it might be helpful to hear some of the things that I vowed to quit in my year of no, to firm up my boundaries, restore my mental and physical health, and to create a business that served my family and not the other way around. This year of no actually paved the way for me to streamline and optimize my business so that I could eventually sell it for a profit and move on and move away and travel and do other things, which was honestly the dream scenario for me and what I had always intended to do once my kids were too old to play in my space. Had I not embarked on that no journey, if I had kept going the way that I had in 2016 and 2017, there is absolutely no way I would be where I am today. So again, stay tuned for that replay of that episode in just a moment. But before we get there, the second reason that I wanted to replay this very old episode for you today, and I didn't want to re-record it, and that's because That year of no also paved the way for my 2023 year, which was my year of yes. This past year, I said yes to every single interview I could, regardless of their audience size, regardless of their demographics, anything like that. I hopped on a plane wherever I was invited. I met so many amazing play space owners, and because of that, doors opened for me that I could have never even imagined back in 2018. So while it was a really difficult decision to do the work back then to 
restore my boundaries and kind of put my head down and work for what turned out to be several years, not just one year, I can now confidently say that, again, it's the only reason that I have the business I do today and all the time and financial freedom that comes along with it. Now, my word for this year, for 2024, is intention, which I'm going to dive more into in future episodes. But again, I cannot stress enough how much work it took me to get here and how thankful I am that I was able to recognize that the path that I was heading down in 2016 and 2017 was not leading to my best life, not even close. I was heading towards divorce, business closure, and just a really dark place mentally. So I hope that by the end of this episode, you become filled with hope and the knowledge that no matter where you are in your life or your journey or your business, you have the power to create something different for yourself if that's what you want. Yes, it may take years, but like I always say, the time is going to pass anyways. I don't even want to think about what my life might look like right now if I had just given up and succumbed to my burnout and refused to take any accountability for my business's outcome. I'm so thankful every day that I decided to roll up my sleeves, admit that much of what I was doing was not working, and commit to making real impactful change. And that involved going to therapy and working on myself and restoring my relationship with my husband and fixing some mindset issues I had, and it involved completely pivoting some aspects of my life and business and how I ran it that were just not serving me the way that I intended them to. The key here is that pride in business helps no one. If I was unable to admit that my original plan and vision needed some updating, I would have closed well before 2019. Again, thankfully, I was able to swallow my pride, do the work, make serious changes, much of which I share on this podcast, and commit to the long haul. Was it scary? Yeah, absolutely. But the only thing scarier was failing because I was too proud or too stubborn to try something new or to learn from others or throw out what wasn't working. Those who are successful in business and are at the top of their industries have likely failed a hundred times more than their peers. The difference is in their persistence and tenacity. One of my favorite quotes that I heard this year was from Alex Hormozzi, and the quote said, and I'm literally reading this from his Instagram, it says, there are two outcomes once you get into business. Number one, it eventually works, or number two, you give up before it does. That's it. And it really is that simple, in my opinion. So many people, whether it's a course creator or whether it's an indoor playground owner, so many people ask me my quote-unquote secret sauce. And sure, while I have tons of tips and tricks and strategies and experience to share, which I do on this podcast and in my courses, really it boils down to consistency and tenacity. That's it. Not giving up. So it's okay to admit that something didn't work. It's okay to pivot. It's okay to try new things. For some of my Playmaker Society members this year, this has looked like changing locations, reworking their revenue priorities, trying new marketing methods, firing and hiring team members, changing business models, rebranding, and sometimes even closing and moving on to other ventures if that's what was best. You name it. We've seen a lot of businesses transition into daycares and preschools and vice versa. It's all about being agile and understanding deeply 
what your local customers need and what feels best to you. I feel so lucky to have witnessed so much beautiful and amazing growth in my group this year. And while that growth always doesn't look linear, we all have ups and downs after all, we all move forward together in 2023. And I am so excited to continue doing that in 2024. And before I start playing this episode, really quickly, just so you know, I kind of, you know, jump right in in the middle of the story, kind of painting a picture of what 2016 and 2017 looked like. I had to cut it short because I had a different intro for that old podcast and I didn't want it to get too confusing with all different sounds. I don't have the original audio file left. So again, I'm doing my best here. I kind of start mid-sentence, but you get the picture. And the second thing I wanted to quickly share is that I noticed when I was listening to this episode back that I mentioned a couple people that I no longer support or follow, one of them being Rachel Hollis. When I was listening to it, I literally had like a jump scare. I can't believe, you know, I have my own reasons for no longer following or supporting her. But again, this was back in early 2019, 2018. So please know that not everything I talk about in this episode is going to be, you know, consistent with my beliefs and who I recommend today. I just really thought it would be most authentic to share this audio from that old podcast and not re-record it so you could really truly be transported into my mindset and into my journey at that point in time. But again, I just wanted to do that little disclaimer. Yeah. So without further ado, we're all going to jump into our time machines and listen to my 2019 self explain why 2018 was my year of no. And I had my second son in two years in November, 2016. So now, now I had two little ones under two running around and a business with eight employees at the time. And my husband, while always extremely supportive, traveled a lot and we didn't have any family or childcare whatsoever within a 70 mile radius to give me a hand. To say I was feeling overwhelmed would be the understatement of the century. I was trying to figure out how to operate a profitable brick-and-mortar business, a seasonal and complicated one at that, and also trying to be a good wife and mother. Almost every single night throughout 2016 and 2017, I went to sleep at night feeling like I was failing. And the problem was I couldn't figure out why, honestly. My kids were happy and eating pretty healthily. I was breastfeeding, and I was able to stay home with them and spend a lot of time with the boys, even though I worked all weekend typically when my husband was home. And business was good, even though it was stressful, and even though it always felt like there was some sort of fire that needed to be put out or some sort of emergency that needed tending to. So why was I feeling this overwhelming sense of failure constantly, and How could I create a life for myself in which I ran a successful business and had a happy home life? What would need to change for me to be happy and feel like this business was an actual success? Well, first I had to think about the entire concept I mentioned of having everything seem okay on paper, like a business that was profitable, happy and healthy kids, and a husband who loved me, but actually feeling very grim inside. To me, that meant that my life had the potential of fulfilling me and being what I'd consider a success, but that my day-to-day tasks and responsibilities and how the business actually manifested itself in my life was draining to me, and it was draining all the potential joy that being a business owner can potentially bring. 
At first, I was wanting to blame everything around me. I wanted to blame the customers who were flooding my inbox for being needy. I wanted to blame my children for being in difficult spaces, you know, potty training, teething, tantrums, all the stuff that comes with having an infant and a toddler. I wanted to blame my husband for traveling so much and not being more active in our business. However, it was me who was deciding how I spent my days. Of course, the children had needs that they couldn't control, but it was me and me alone who decided which business tasks I would be responsible for and therefore which tasks would fill my time and structure my day-to-day life. So this was when I really decided to take a good hard look at my tasks and my team and what was really responsible for draining the joy from my life and replacing it with overwhelm. But before I get into the specifics, I want to just reiterate here. I was not able to really begin making any sort of significant change in my life or my business until I accepted that I was the problem. It was a hard pill to swallow for sure, but I was the problem. I was a bottleneck in my business, and that was creating a ripple effect that affected my mental health and my happiness and the happiness of those around me that I love most. Now, I could have felt really defeated when I realized this, and I think I did for a few days, but then I heard Brooke Castillo say something, which others have surely said in one of her podcast episodes that changed my life forever, and it really empowered me to take action and make a real change. She said, here's the great news. If you are the problem in your business, that means you are also the solution. If you are creating all of the problems in your life or your business, then you single-handedly have the power to create the solutions and solve those problems. It was like a light bulb went off and I was just so empowered. Now that I knew that I was both the problem and the solution, I finally set to work. The first thing I did was realize that there were two overarching problems in both my life and business that were affecting every decision that I made and therefore dictated how I set up my tasks and day-to-day life, which I've mentioned. The first was that I was a control freak. I was terrified of delegating tasks to my team and was therefore overwhelming myself with mundane tasks that could have and should have been done by someone else on my team. The second issue was that I was a people pleaser and I was so sure that if I bent over backwards for my customers and showed them how dedicated I was to serving my community by saying yes to every single request and opportunity, that I would be repaid by them with gratitude in the form of loyalty and referrals, etc. Now, I'm not going to get too cynical here, but let me just say one thing. Being a pushover and saying yes constantly and trying to appease every customer is the fastest way to drive yourself and your business straight into the ground. You've already heard me repeat the phrase that if you try to please everyone, you'll end up pleasing no one. And while that's definitely relevant here, that's not quite what I'm referring to. If you try to honor every request and let customers run your business for you, they will continue to push and push and take and take until you are left with nothing. They don't have the the behind-the-scenes knowledge that you do, and they don't understand your expenses and why you make the decisions that you do, but guess who does? You. All right, so let's get into the specifics now. I knew that I was doing way too much in my business, and I knew that I was giving in way too much, often to the detriment of my business and my health. 
So as I was listening to some personal development podcasts, I came across this concept of setting a yearly word of intention and letting that word shape my days, weeks, and months for the entire year, all with the goal of making a big change through this series of small steps all year long. So it was right before the holiday season of 2017 that I decided 2018 would be the year I made a big change in both my personal life and business life. So now is the time that I had to actually choose a word of intention. Some examples I was coming across were faith, strength, balance, presence, things like that. But none of those really spoke to me or what I needed at that point. Then I had the idea to make my word of the year no. And it was like everything clicked and I was like, wow, that's actually exactly what I need. 2018 needs to be the year where I move as much off my plate as I can and delegate to my very willing and capable team. And it would be the year where I said no to people who are trying to take and take and take from my business and give nothing back in return. I would finally make decisions based on numbers and not based on emotions or personal relationships. And if something didn't make sense from a business standpoint, the answer would be a resounding no. Rachel Hollis always says that if something is not a hell yes, then it has to be a hell no. And that was something I'd come to repeat myself all year. I actually ordered a keychain with the word no engraved on it because I hold my keys in my hand a lot. Not so much now because I got a different car, but at the time I held my car keys all the time. And whenever I needed a little bit of a reminder, I would look down at my keychain that had the word no engraved on it. And it would bring me back to reality and make me rethink whatever decision that I was struggling with and really ask myself if it was a hell yes. And if it wasn't, I said no. So every time someone asked me to partner or give my time or every time asked someone if they could pick my brain, if it took me away from my more important tasks or my family and it didn't make sense and feel like that hell yes to me, I would pass. And let me just tell you, while it was very hard at first to recover from my control freak and people-pleasing ways, it felt so amazing once I got the hang of it. I finally started to realize which tasks actually moved the needle in my business and which had to be cut. I had more time and energy for my family, and I no longer went to bed feeling like a failure. And that was because I was spending my time, energy, and heart on those things and the people that mattered to me. All right, so let's get specific here. Let's start with four examples of things I stopped doing in 2018 in that particular brick and mortar business. And even though I started this process with my brick and mortar business in mind, the concepts certainly also paved the way for my success in my other businesses as well. And in fact, with all the time that I was able to save by saying no in my brick and mortar, I was able to actually start my online businesses. So there you go actual proof that this year of no truly set me up for future success. All right, so the first thing I stopped doing in 2018 was getting upset if we got negative feedback. So first, I'm not perfect in this area especially. I have made some major mistakes in dealing with online reviews and criticism that still haunt me to this day. My temper is hot, and I often take reviews very personally because I care so deeply about my business and think of it often as an extension of myself or kind of like a third child. It was easy to feel defeated when someone had something negative to say, especially in the beginning, in that 2016-2017 era, because 
all of the opening stress was fresh and I was still learning about my strengths and weaknesses as a business owner and when and where I should ask for help. Now I try to delegate as much customer service as I can. Not because I don't love serving my customers, but because other staff members are less emotionally invested and can be more objective and therefore more effective in handling issues that arise. Questions and complaints can really drain me emotionally, and when I am feeling drained, I am not left with energy or passion to innovate and continue to improve. It would be unfair to the customers who know and love us to give up or quit or stop innovating just because of a few negative reviews. So I kept pushing on for them, and I always remember now that the people who bite the hardest online are often dealing with wounds themselves. So I try to worry about them, and or I try to worry for them and not necessarily about them, and I just try to keep in mind that everyone is fighting their own battle. My advice for this topic is to be kind above all else, and your ideal customers will continue finding you. Let the negative criticism roll off your back as much as you can, and remember that when someone else has something to say about you, has much more to say about them and less to say about you or your business. No, not every complaint against your business is a personal attack against you. So again, I'm just going to repeat that one more time. What someone else has to say about your business has much more to say about them and less to say about you. So just remember that next time you're feeling the negativity or criticism from either customers or even friends and family members. All right, the second thing I stopped doing in 2018 in the year of no is free consultations. I no longer did free or even paid one-on-one consultations. I was getting several can-I-pick-your-brain calls and emails every single day, and now I decline them all. In the past, I did do several free and paid consultations. However, I noticed that everybody had the exact same questions. They were struggling in the same areas, and I was giving them the exact same answers. So I took a step back and I said, I do not want to see another one of these businesses open and close, but... I don't have the time to walk each person through the process and they don't have the money to pay me $2,400 for 12 hours of consulting at $200 an hour to walk them through that process. So what I did instead was create Play Cafe Academy, which hosts about 12 hours of information in the course only at a fraction of the price. I now instead suggest that people save time and money and learn from my free blog content or invest in my paid program. And now my students are actually able to achieve success in less time and for much less money as a result, which I'm so proud of. And again, this was really, this really came to be from that year of no. So just keep that in mind. The third thing I stopped doing is stalking the weather. Now this is probably going to seem really random to some people, but if you recall, Climbing Vines Cafe and Play first opened to the public in February of 2016. Here in upstate New York, we typically don't begin experiencing outdoor weather, like where you can actually play outside, until May. So at first, we were slammed for open play. We spent three full months in a state of at capacity. However, when May rolled around, we began to realize just how seasonal open play business could be, and our bottom line certainly felt it. I vividly remember waking up each morning and checking the weather and pretty much knowing what would we, we what we would be able to do in sales that day depending solely on the forecast. 
And if you have ever operated a business based on these tumultuous forecasts, you know exactly why I do not recommend it. Because of our size and guest capacity, I knew we could not remain sustainable as a business if we put all of our efforts into open play. So I began focusing more on keeping our birthday calendar booked, which led to a major increase in profits. We also incorporated other revenue streams into our nicer weather months, like drop-off day camps and events that guests must pre-register in advance for, so we're able to lock in our revenue regardless of the weather. This took time and research into what type of programs our community needed, but after three years of implementation, we can finally sail through our slow open play season without stalking the weather forecast every single day, and I'm able to have a lot more financial and time freedom as a result. This was met with a lot of criticism because people wanted more open play hours, but I'm so glad I did not give in to the naysayers because I knew, again, that open play was not going to pay our bills and keep us afloat. So I stuck to my guns and focused on parties and said no if people asked for more open play hours. I, of course, wasn't rude about it, but instead tried to come from a place of education and explained why we needed to focus on parties. People who didn't understand simply chose other businesses to patronize, and that was hard at the time, but it was honestly the best thing for my business because it opened up space for more ideal customers that would share our values and help us thrive. All right, the fourth and last thing I stopped doing in 2018 was worrying about competition. For a year or so after we opened, I could barely go one day without checking the websites and social media accounts of my local competitors. And outside of that, I was also constantly looking over my shoulder, hoping and praying that no one would copy my business idea and steal all of my success and all of my customers. After two direct copycats opened within the first few years, it turns out that I was right about one thing. I was correct in thinking that when someone finds success doing something, others will quickly recognize that and attempt to emulate it as best they can to unlock that same success for themselves. However, I was definitely wrong in thinking that these copycats would have an impact on my own business. Both businesses I'm referring to, instead of creating their own original concept and distinguishing factors, copied ours almost exactly. And as a result, one closed within a year and the other is also showing signs of a struggle. This is simply because these facilities made the common mistake of failing to stand out against their current competition, which... I discuss in more detail on my blog for my Play Cafe Academy and on my YouTube channel there. Not only do I not check on my competition more than maybe once monthly, because yeah, I still do check that we are serving our community based on the gaps in service that they currently face, but I do not blink when a new indoor playground announces its local opening. We've actually had eight indoor playgrounds open just in the last 12 months. This is because we place so much of a priority on serving our customers the absolute best they can be served, which has proven very difficult for any copycat to reverse engineer. We simply work hard every single day at staying true to our values and priorities, keeping our space clean and in tip-top shape, and continue serving our clients and fostering the relationships we have with them as best we can. We have still not yet been impacted by the increasing number of indoor playgrounds in our area and have actually grown with each new competitor. What I love most about competition is that it pushes me to be the best I can be and make sure that my business is the best that it can be for my customers as well. 
Friendly competition encourages innovation and constant improvement at our facility. Not worrying about competition and worrying about pleasing every single person has freed up so much time and helps prevent that feeling of panic or failure from overcoming me once again. All right, now let's tackle the delegation bit now that I had let go with some of my people-pleasing ways and talk about how I started to say no to tasks that were not needing to be accomplished personally by me because let me tell you, the more I work with small business owners, the more I realize just how common this mistake really is. And this mistake is actually usually born from good intentions. The business owner wants everything to be done exactly the right way. However, a major lie that we tell ourselves as business owners is that we are the only people who can accomplish these tasks, or at least accomplish them as good as we expect them to be done. Not only is it untrue, because others can almost always do these tasks just as well as us, but they can actually often do them better. This was another hard pill to swallow for me as a business owner and recovering control freak, but it really could not be more true, and I'm seeing that more and more as I put it into practice. Other employees have different experiences and different perspectives than us and can often offer fresh insight into our processes and workflows that not only improve them and make them more efficient, but that actually make the business run better overall and improve profits. Because like most business owners, I was well-meaning. I wanted my birthday party clients to be honored and taken care of, and I was convinced that I was the only person who would be able to deliver stellar customer service up to my standards. However, here's the magical thing. After I surrendered and gave up these tasks and let weekends go on without me being on site, everyone figured it out and everything got done without me. Luckily, I had been careful to take notes and document what needed to be done and ordered, and all of the parties continued going off weekend after weekend without a hitch. Now, I have to be honest for a second here. I should have been really elated and relieved, but in that moment, I was actually a little bit bummed. My business didn't need me as much as I had previously thought and maybe even hoped. My skills weren't as special as I had assumed, and other people on my team were able to accomplish these tasks even better than I was able to. But after I got over the initial disappointment, I started surrendering a bit more and delegating more and more tasks because I did have a newborn at this point after all, and monitoring the effects on my business. And honestly, I was amazed. Everything was running smoothly, and if anyone had any questions, they were answered by our supervisor, and I was able to spend more time being present with my two young sons, completing only the tasks that I could do from home during nap time or after bedtime. I started becoming more addicted to this freedom that saying no and delegation gave me, and eventually made a few more hires and offloaded even more off my task list. I was finally free to do what I did best, which in my case was marketing and innovating new revenue streams. And the best part is I was able to do it with a mind that wasn't cluttered with other tasks and without making sure everyone was happy all the time. So I was much more creative and accomplished much more in these categories than I had ever been able to otherwise. And not only did I enjoy my day-to-day -day better and start feeling much less overwhelmed because I was finally operating in my genius zone, which to me means working on only things that I enjoyed and am good at, but our profits actually increased. 
Now, when I began delegating more, I fully expected our profits to decrease for a bit since our payroll hours skyrocketed, but I was actually okay with that because my priority at the time was my new baby who was born with hip dysplasia and required daily doctor's appointments. However, the opposite turned out to be true, and that really surprised me. My team was filling all of their hours with work instead of kind of sitting around on social media, which does realistically happen if there are no customers to serve and nothing to fill their time. And since I was more creative and had time to innovate, our revenue went up dramatically, much more than the increase in payroll expenditure at least. And while all of this was happening, I was working only about 10 hours per week compared to my previous 40 to 50 hours. Unfortunately, most business owners never truly snap out of this trap and they become burned out, continuing to trade their time for dollars. Therefore, their business will always be limited by their ability to work, and when they stop, so does their business and revenue. Like myself, they probably get a lot of comments like, when do you sleep or how do you do it? And my answer now is that I say no way more than I say yes and that I have an incredible team behind me who make it all possible. So I hope that helped shed some light on why 2018 had to be my year of no and also how I was able to make that happen. Even though I chose a different word of intention for 2019 and 2020, the idea is that once you spend a year focusing on a specific area, then you can then make that change permanent and no longer need to work or focus on it in order to continue living it. So today, as I sit here and record this episode, I'm reminded that I only have time to build my brand and run multiple businesses and make a positive impact on other small business owners, all while being a present wife and mother, because I stood up, took personal responsibility for how my life was going, and made a conscious change. And again, it didn't come easily. It took an entire year to get it right. Now, I do certainly still struggle at, struggle at times. I am nowhere near perfect. For example, this past year, I had an opportunity to run for town council. And I have to say, my ego really wanted to do it. And I even actually interviewed for the position. And my husband kind of, you know, he supported me, but he kind of also said, you know, Michelle, this is going to take hours and hours and hours a week. Like, not only, you know, do you have time for this, but is it going to put a strain on you? Are you going to enjoy the work? And, you know, my ego, I really let it take over. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. Like, how cool would it be to work in town government? And, you know, I ended up getting passed over for the opportunity. And I am so freaking thankful for that because the more I realized it and the closer we got to election day, I realized just how much time it would have sucked from my family, from my businesses. And, it would have definitely taken away from things that make me happier and should be more of a priority in my life. So I still slip up. I still, you know, kind of say yes to things sometimes that I shouldn't just for my ego or for whatever reason. But now I at least have the tools that I need to make better decisions on tasks or projects to take on and when I should say yes and when I should say no and when I should take a task on myself or whether I should delegate it. So I'm still working on it, but I am so much better than I used to be. Now, I was just listening to a podcast episode the other day with Marie Forleo, and she basically gave us another tool to make decisions based on whether you should say yes to something or say no to something. And her advice, and I'm going to paraphrase, but her advice was basically like, when you think about making a decision, when you think about saying yes to something, 
what does your body physically do? Do you hunch over? Do you get a sense of dread? Do you start feeling overwhelmed? Or does your chest open and do you feel expansive and excited? You kind of have to pay attention to that visceral reaction that you get when you think about saying yes to that decision. And if you start feeling dread or overwhelm or your body actually contracts, that is a really good indicator that you should say no to that partnership or that speaking engagement or whatever the case may be. And I have begun incorporating that into my toolkit and figuring out how I can listen to my body better and my mind better. And it's actually even more improved my decision-making ability and when I say yes and when I say no. All right, and we are back in 2024. Sorry that cut off pretty abruptly, but my old podcast had a different outro and I didn't want to confuse you any more than I probably already have throughout this episode, but I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. When I was listening to this episode, kind of in preparation to release this new episode, it really literally took me back to exactly the mindset I was in when I wrote and recorded that episode. And I just wish that I could go back and give that girl that was speaking into that microphone, the same microphone that I'm speaking into right now, a big hug. And I wish that I could tell her that everything she's doing is exactly the right thing, even if it feels hard, even if it feels scary. And I wish I could tell her that, yeah, you're still going to have plenty of ups and downs coming your way, but it is all going to be worth it and it's all going to work out. Just don't give up. All right. I would love to hear if you do this practice, if you come up with a word of the year, and I would love to hear what your word is or even just what you're working on this year. If you're working on getting another location or working on launching, let me know. DM me on Instagram. I love hearing from you and connecting there. And don't forget to sign up for my free funding masterclass. It's on January 17th. I will see you there.